Hey, this is Hayden with the Bible for the Busy Life podcast. Big news, baby Ava is here. She made her appearance on 92121, and she is precious. But she is currently asleep right now. Somehow I've managed to get wife and daughter asleep. So I am currently hiding out in my car with the baby monitor. So I apologize if there's any sounds from the monitor. But on today's episode, we will have a part two of our look at the historical books of the Bible. We're going to look at the monarchical period in the history of Israel, which is Samuel King's Chronicles. And rough timeline, this will go from about the 11th century B.C. to around the 6th century B.C. So in our last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about judges and how the book seems to want the reader to yearn for leadership for a king in the nation. And so Samuel will pick up from there and tell us how exactly that happened. Um, the major character of the book is David. Uh, there's a few other characters, most notably uh, Samuel and Saul, but their stories are basically the backstory leading up to David taking the throne. So the book can easily be divided into two parts. Fortunately, it's already been done for us. The first uh, section, what we call First Samuel, is basically the story uh, that leads up to David taking the throne. And then Second Samuel um, is basically his time reigning over Israel. So the book starts off with the story of Samuel himself. So he will effectively act as the final uh, judge of the nation and kind of bring a close to that time in their history and transition the nation from this series of judges to an actual monarchy. Because it's during his reign that the people come to him and demand that they be given a king so they can be like all the other nations. The motive there is a key point because it's effectively a rejection of God as being their ultimate authority and leadership. And so, of course, Samuel's not happy about this. But even though he pushes back a little bit, God tells Samuel to go and appoint a man named Saul to be the first king of Israel. And so at first glance, Saul is everything you want in a king. He's, he seems big. He's a head taller than the rest of the people. He's good looking. And he will become the first king of Israel. He'll reign for a while and at first does pretty well. Uh, but he kind of has a disdain for God's law. And after a few really poor decisions... Uh, things begin to go downhill for him and for the nation, and God rejects him as the king and has Samuel go and appoint someone else, a man named David, to become the king in his place. So David is a very different choice than Saul was. He is young, maybe not as intimidating as stature, and so Samuel's actually quite surprised that God would choose him. But God makes the point that man tends to judge people by the outward appearance, but the Lord judges by the heart. And so we seem to get this contrast between the first choice, Saul, where God gave the people exactly what they wanted and asked for, and the second one would be God making his own choice based on a person who will do his will. This, of course, is the same David who famously defeated Goliath in battle. The end of 1 Samuel finds Saul being killed in action, and 2 Samuel will pick up with David taking the throne. David is arguably the greatest king that Israel ever had. He is a great ruler. The nation is prosperous, they have success against their enemies, things like that. But his home life is kind of a disaster, it seems. He liked having a lot of women, and he had a lot of children with these women. And anyone that studied history knows that when you have a monarchical situation, uh, identifying, identifying an heir is very important. Because in a situation where you have a lot of people who can make a claim to the throne, it can lead to bad situations. And more than one of David's sons will try to lead a coup and overthrow the, and take the throne from him. But despite all his failures, God refers to David as a man after his own heart. And God makes a covenant with David, distinct from the Abrahamic covenant, but somewhat related, 
it says that David will always have a descendant uh, to reign in Jerusalem. The book of Kings picks up with David on his deathbed. He's an old man now. He's been reigning for over 30 years, and it's time for his successor to take his place. Uh, the Lord has chosen his son Solomon to be the next king, and even though there's yet another potential usurper, Solomon takes the throne, and his reign will basically be the high watermark, so to speak, of the nation. Uh, there's an enormous amount of wealth. Uh, they expand their boundaries uh, to the furthest they will ever be, and he builds this elaborate palace for himself, and most importantly, he has a temple built to the Lord. At the end of Solomon's reign, there's yet another coup attempt, uh, but this one is largely successful. A guy named Jeroboam will come, and he will get a huge following and convince 10 out of the 12 tribes to make him the new king. And so only two tribes, uh, that of Judah and Benjamin, will be faithful to the Davidic line. I'll keep Solomon's son Rehoboam. Really confusing. Jeroboam is the northern kingdom. Rehoboam is the southern kingdom. So at this point, uh, kings will refer to two different kingdoms. Uh, the northern kingdom is Israel or Ephraim sometimes. And then there's the southern kingdom referred to as Judah. So I tend to think of the book of kings being plural uh, entitled because not only is it a series of kings, but it's also the time at which there are two different monarchies uh, simultaneously. kind of helps remember what time period it's referring to. The northern kingdom will have a series of kings that will lead the people away from worshiping God and toward the worship of the gods of the surrounding nations. In fact, Jeroboam is kind of seen as the standard by which all bad kings are measured uh, for quite a while and until, of course, later kings come along that are even worse and become the new standard. Uh, but because of this, the northern kingdom will be conquered in 722 BC by the Assyrians under Sargon II. And for a little reference there, uh, David was on the throne around 1000 BC. And so from the time that this kingdom splits, the northern uh, part of it only lasts for another like 200 years or so. The southern kingdom fares a little better. They too have a lot of kings that lead them away from God, but they also have a handful of kings that lead them back to God and renew their uh, dedication to the law, uh, such as Josiah, Hezekiah, uh, to a certain degree, Asa and Jehoshaphat. And because of this, the Lord will protect them when Sargon II conquers Israel. The Lord will intervene and have the Assyrians turn back uh, before conquering Judah. But ultimately, they, they will be conquered as well. Um, first, by Pharaoh Necho and the Egyptians around 609 BC. Uh, they come in and kind of make Judah into a vassal state. You know, kind of a you pay taxes to us every year, we'll kind of leave you be situation. Uh, but then the Babylonians, by that time, are a up-and-coming empire. They will do the same thing, uh, turn Judah into their own vassal state, and appoint their own uh, king in the region. Uh, but that king leads a rebellion uh, that really angers the Babylonians. And so they will come in under King Nebuchadnezzar and just lay siege to Jerusalem uh, for about two years before they finally give in. The Babylonians will come in and just destroy the city, um, take a, a bunch of people captive in what would be known as the Babylonian captivity, and they will destroy Solomon's temple. All that occurs around 586 BC. So Chronicles actually deals with the same time period we've just discussed through Samuel and Kings. A much more helpful title comes from the Greek, which calls it the things omitted. So what we have is seems to be someone going back to these old stories and giving some fresh information or perspective on them. We don't know who wrote Chronicles. He just calls himself the Chronicler. 
but he seems to be a very um, type A list making type of personality because he's very concerned with things like organization, genealogy, numbers, things like that. So it can be very helpful for serious Bible study, but it's kind of hard to get through if you're just reading for the first time or casually reading because the first nine chapters are just strictly genealogy. And I note, when you go through a genealogy, it's not always that helpful to read every single name. Uh, the point is often just to make a connection between two people. So if you go read the first name and the last name, you often get the point the author's trying to make. So in this case, he gives a genealogy all the way back to Adam. So he's giving a very thorough uh, history of the origin of the Jewish people. So chapter 10 of 1 Chronicles through chapter 9 of 2 Chronicles deals with the time of monarchy in Israel. And he spends a lot of time talking about how David organized the priesthood and the Levites. So again, it's very organization-oriented. And then chapter 10 through the end of 2 Chronicles deals with the line of kings in uh, Judah all the way to the Babylonian captivity. And that should do it for today's discussion. Um, hope that was helpful. From here, Lord willing, we will interrupt this program to look at the rise and fall of the empire surrounding Israel, get an idea of who they were, how they treated uh, the nations that they conquered, and hopefully give us a good transition to the post-exile period of the historical books. It is getting close to 4 a.m. here, so I need to go get some sleep. Thank you for listening.